Hi, and welcome to another podcast of Faith Activators. I'm Mike O'Quinn. I'm so glad you can join us today. Today we've got a couple of friends and writers here, uh, Eric and Rob, Eric Bryant and Rob Stinnett. Hey, Eric. Hey there. And hi, Rob. How you doing? Good to see you today. Good, good. I'm so excited about this conversation, and today we're going to be talking about the process of writing. And both of you guys, just as a little quick bio, both of you guys are authors uh, and have had books published with Zondervan. Eric, you wrote a book called, used to be called Peppermint Filled, no, Peppermint Filled Pinatas? That's correct, yes. Or Pinata Filled Peppermints. No, no it's the, right. the first one was right. And then uh, it was retitled, Not Like Me, uh, a, a Field Guide for Influencing a Diverse World. I love that book, and you and I have had a conversation on this podcast about that book. But just give us in a nutshell, what's that book about? It's about embracing the people Christians normally hate. Okay. Uh, and we're not supposed to be people who hate. But the idea is, how do we reach people that look differently, may have different beliefs, may make different sorts of decisions? This increasingly post-Christian world, how do we love, serve, and influence uh, folks around us. Awesome. Well, I love that book, and you've got a good sense of humor. And I don't know if you knew this, Rob, but Eric is also on the side of stand-up comedian. Oh, wow. All <laughs> yeah. right, I want some jokes today. I'm All right, Eric, say something <laughs> funny. Go. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how that works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, another project you have out is, I think it's called The, Fruit, the Fruitful Life. A Fruitful Life, yes, becoming, about becoming who you were created to be. It's the idea of each of us has the capacity to be uh, influencers. Spiritual influence is something that doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter uh, what you've done or, or your education level, but everyone of us has the capacity to bear fruit. Okay. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, as Jesus says. All right. And then Rob uh, is... Uh, a writer and has had several novels come out, and I'll just say, Rob, I'm reading your first novel now, the almost true story of Ryan Fisher. Yep, Is that's that? right. That's and right. man, I'm really enjoying it. It's so funny, Eric. You've got to read it. It's he totally nails Christian subculture. It's about a real estate agent who basically joins a church to get more clients, and so he's trying to figure out the rules of the game as he as he moves for more clients, and in the process, he decides. Well, I'm, I'm probably giving away too much. That's all right. No, uh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, no, he decides like he's kind of a real estate agent looking for clients. Then he sees a pastor up there preaching one Sunday, a huge line of people to talk to him, people laughing at his jokes. He's like, man, being a pastor looks like the best job in the world. I should just do that. So he's never been to church, doesn't believe in God, but starts a church of his own. Yeah. So in the in the in the passage I read last night, he and his wife are discussing: Is it okay to be a Christian if you don't believe in Jesus? You know, he's just trying to. It's like the form. The form of godliness without the power. Like, what, what are the, what's the culture here? And yeah. it's a brilliant book. Now, you've had several books come out yes. since then. And tell us about your new book that you're working on. So the new book I'm working on is called... The Which perfect I liked father. on Facebook this morning. I already liked your Facebook page. <laughs> oh, I'm ready you. for it. Yeah, Perfect Father. You can like it on Facebook. I've been blogging about it and kind of writing about it. But I'm a dad of four daughters and... Um, and a lot of things, like I was trained on how to be a writer. I was trained on how to do production work, trained on how to work in churches, but um, I wasn't really trained on how to be a dad. So this is kind of my story of talking to different dads and learning, okay, how do you be a better protector? How do you be a better dad who's like a good coach for sports teams? Like all these dad jobs that we have to yeah. do, how do we do that well? And so I'm, I'm kind of interviewed them and had them teach me how to do it. And so I hope a reader can kind of learn how to do those things well as well. That sounds great. Well, I, I'm a fan and I'm, I'm going to start 
queuing you up on my Kindle here. So uh, thank, thanks for coming in. So I wanted to talk today, guys, about uh, how your process for writing. So both of you have, you know, a lot of people just have good ideas and they think they have a book in them. Uh, but I wanted to talk with you, and, and I, I had a, a novel come out called Java Wake, self-published novel, uh, last year. And, you know, it took me, it took me it's kind of embarrassing to me, it took me nine years to finish it. Because I just kind of poking around and, and just worked on it here and there. And, you know, I was serving in Indonesia, and it's a story set in Indonesia. And then I just thought, after I finished, I was like, it shouldn't take nine years to do this. Like, I could have done this a lot faster. I've got some other book ideas or working on a manuscript called a, a Growing Desperation right now, nonfiction. And I just thought, man, uh, how could I, you know, how could I get faster? So, Rob, you gave me some great advice the other day, which I have been telling people. So listen up, listener. This is, this is coming from a guy who's, who's cranking out books. So tell, tell, tell us what you told me. Well, and I hope I can repeat my advice yeah. uh, as well. And so interrupt me or tell me if I'm off. But I think the biggest thing for writers is they have to write. And everyone knows that. But the thing that broke it open for me is I was at this seminar once with John Cleese and Ed Solomon who wrote Men in Black and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, these two great screenwriters who I admire. Oh, you're also a screenwriter. Forgot, uh, we forgot to say that. Yes, done some screenwriting. And that, that's kind of how I got into writing. Okay. Was just loved movies. And I was like, who... Who gets to decide what the story is? That seems like the best job in the world. And so I was at this screenwriting thing, and they said, who here, when you sit down to write, like opens up your computer and just starts typing away right away? Two hands went up. He's like, who here, checks your email, cleans off your desk, <laughs> walks around, does anything they possibly can do to avoid writing, and then finally sits down to write. And boom, 300 hands I'm raising up. my hand right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm getting convicted <laughs> myself. And he's like, who feels guilty about that? Boom, all the hands go up again. And he said, you shouldn't feel guilty about this because what you're doing is actually engaging in the writing process. He said, he kind of talked about the study and creativity, and he said, a lot of times we talk about right brain and left brain, but what actually influences creativity is um, what he called tortoise mind and harebrained. So tortoise mind is how we mostly function. It's like, I got to pick up the dry cleaning. I got I to get the kids from school. I got, you know, whatever those sort of daily mundane tasks are. But he's like, tortoise mind is when you finally slow down enough to let the good ideas come. He said, who gets their best ideas when you're driving on a long road trip or in the morning in the shower or when you're, you know, doing, you know, mowing the lawn or when you finally slow down to stop? And he's like, that's your tortoise mind. That's where the good ideas come from. So what you have to do is you have to write every single day, but you have to give yourself enough time to get in a tortoise mind. And it usually takes about a half hour to turn off your harebrain and then another half hour to really get in a tortoise mind to where you can be, be creative and write the stuff where you're not like, oh, this, you know, when you write from tortoise mind, you're like, oh, this will never work. This is a bad idea. But uh, when you write from harebrain, I mean, uh, when, when you write from tortoise mind, you're like, oh, this is... A, this is the good stuff. It's the dreamer in you that comes alive. So uh, that, that was the thing that changed for me, uh, how I wrote and how I approached writing. Well, I feel harebrained a lot and <clears throat> just nor- on a normal day, on a good day. So Eric, as, as Rob says that, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, Rob is definitely the expert here when it comes to being yeah. prolific. But I feel like when I'm in the, the writing space, there is a, a, a sense of freedom of just putting on paper anything and then editing later, you know. And and for me, as someone who speaks on Sundays at our church, you know, at Gateway, I've tried to uh, write out my messages knowing that that process of just writing those messages gives me a chance uh, 
one, that could become an article later, it could become a chapter later. Just trying to start seeing the the things that happen throughout the day could be great fuel for writing later, and just kind of having those thoughts. I use Evernote, you know, on my on my phone, on my computer, and so just jotting down thoughts, but then actually sitting down to write. You know, this is great advice that Rob's just given us that it's okay to to settle ourselves down before we become productive because that's actually part of being productive. So, Rob, you said it takes about a half hour. And where, where do you do that? I thought this was helpful. Where do you do that? How do you get into the tortoise brain mode? Well, I think anything that keeps you in hair mind, anything that's like if it's your desk at work. Like for me, the two things that are my secret sauce, and this is not revolution, but it works for me, is just I've got to be away from my office and I've got to be away from uh, my house. I can't do it there because at my house, there's always distractions. And writers will do anything but writing. If there's something they can like give themselves an excuse of like, ah, I should really do the dishes or, oh, oh I should really do this, you do, you'll do something else. So I do coffee shops or something like that just every morning. And I just take about an hour to an hour and a half every morning. I drop the kids off to school and I have a full-time day job. And so, but before I go into work, I take that hour to hour and a half and I just write. And then I close my computer and I'm like, okay, that's it. That's all I do for today. And I normally give myself a goal of about, um, you know, uh, 500 words or a thousand words. But I think a goal is really important as well. Otherwise it's like, um, you're just in, you know, dreamy mode, but you're not really producing. There does have to be a point where it's like, okay, I sat down and I had something. Otherwise it can't, like, your story, Mike, is pretty common of like, and I think we all have that story if you've sat down to write where it's like, oh, this is taking so much longer than I expected to do. But all we're, the goal is the book rather than the goal is like, okay, I got to get this thin slice done today. All right. Well, you're a better man than me because I never think, man, I really need to do the dishes. <laughs> but uh, my house is really clean when the writing process is going. So uh, you also create, so you force yourself, you give yourself at least a half hour to get in tortoise brain mode and you go to a coffee shop and I, I discovered your secret spot. I went to the, I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing this. Before I get out of the office, I'm going to a coffee shop. I'm going to start writing, working. I really, I don't want to take this, I don't want to take this next manuscript to take nine years, you know. Uh, so I go to a coffee shop, and there is Rob in his hiding spot. I said, hey, man, you're, I'm not going to mess with you. You're I know. like, I found you. I found you. <laughs> so I'm not going to mess with you. So you, you carve out, I think you said like two hours a day? Yeah, it's, it's, it normally is like two hours is the dream. And so it's not like uh, religious, like, oh, if I don't hit two hours, I'm not doing it. But two hours is like the productive sweet spot for me. Uh, but sometimes it's an hour and a half or so. But I think it needs to be long enough to where you can really be creative. If you're like, hey, I'm going to write 45 minutes a day for every day, I don't, I mean, some people are better than me and can be effective doing that. But I think if you're just writing for such a short time, you can't really turn off all the junk and get yourself in a space where you're like, man, I'm thinking out of the box. I'm thinking. Yeah, for instance, uh, I had, I had about an hour this morning, and it took me a while. You know, I checked my bank balance and did this and that, and finally I started writing. I got like three paragraphs done, you know, and I probably could if I had carved out a little more time. What, what about – so, Eric, you're a really busy guy. What, what do you do academic? You do something academically besides being on staff of a growing ch- – or leading a growing church. Yes, I help with uh, Bethel Seminary. I lead a doctorate of ministry and missional effectiveness or global leadership's the other title for okay. it. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of pressure to create content on you. You're, you've got a sermon series, things for your, that you're teaching. Do you have other book projects too that you're 
yes, thinking I, about? Yes, I do. And a lot of times it's, it's well, the, my doctorate of ministry, what I wrote as my dissertation will probably be the next project that I, that I complete. Okay. Uh, I got the doctorate, but I, it's, you know, it's academic form. So there's a lot of editing that needs to go into it. And so for me, I'm not nearly as, as, uh, productive as Rob, but I have kind of projects and moments. And so do you still, do you still to, to create content in these projects? Do you have to get in that zone? Like, what do you do to yeah, so, so what I like to do is, one, I try to create great content for what it's intended, the, the, whether it's teaching or Sunday mornings. You know, like, so I want to write the best message or write the best lecture that I can for that moment and then later take some of what I've been creating and edit it into a form that could be a, a, a book. And so for me, what I've tried to do, and I'm, I'm taking great mental notes on what Rob's doing now, because what I've tried to do is I'll get away and maybe it's going off to San Diego to teach a course and I'm there without my family. So then all of a sudden I have all this extra time and rather than filling it with, you know, watching ESPN or something, I try to, okay, this week I have a week of writing that I'm going to do outside of class time. So for me, it's a little bit more uh, intentional time away. Uh, But what I've discovered is someone like Rob, you know, this daily time that you guys are both describing is something that I really aspire to. (laughs) You know, I feel like the projects take so long in between that if I could just get a little bit more done each day, I bet I would be even more. Yeah. So once you get in that mode to just keep creating there just a little bit more. And that's that's my challenge too. Well, um, Rob, what uh, talk to us to you said something about keeping writing in the corner of your life. Talk a little bit about what that means. Yeah, I think that for a lot of different writers, um, they can it can define them of like, oh, I didn't get this. Or I mean, if you've ever written and published a book and watched it sell or not sell, like that is a totally interesting process. And so I've published books and some have sold better than others. But what it can do is that can define you or the writing life itself. Like, oh, I'm writing this thing. You see all the crazy stories about the writers who go crazy or whatever else. And it just kind of overtakes their life. So that's kind of why I like to give myself, okay, this is the time today that I'm going to give for it. And then I shut my laptop and it's over. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that own me anymore today. I've, I need to be a dad. I need to work my job. I need to do other things. And so I'm going to give it this and I'm going to work as hard as I can. And then it's done and it's over. And so I put it in the corner of my life. It's not at the center of my life. Okay. Well, that's helpful too. And then you're not the the stereotypical writer with all this angst, but you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to crank it out here and then I'm going to stop for the day. And I've got, and you guys are busy. You've got other responsibilities. You've got your family. You don't, you want to have, you want to have the best for those arenas as well. Yeah. I mean, I have plenty of angst, but just, I I try to make (laughs) writing be (laughs) add as little as possible to that. I want writing actually to make me healthy. I want it to actually be a good thing for me. And that's, for me, it is, it's something that I love to do. And I would do whether I got paid for it or not, because it brings me life. All right. Well, we're going um, to have another conversation in another podcast about the editing process. But in the writing process, do you guys have any more tricks up your sleeve? Well, I think for me, it's just a matter of, is what I'm writing true to what I'm discovering? And is it helpful to the people I'm trying to help? In other words, you know, I might have a great idea, but if it's not really helpful to anybody... It's not worth spending the time on it. And I think of the, you know, Paul Young who wrote The Shack. You know, originally it was a book he wrote that brought him healing. 
he then shared with family, and they felt inspired and brought them healing, and then it became a best-selling book, mm-hmm. right? So it was really uh, that whole process, kind of like what Rob just described, writing for the sake of writing is actually a good thing. And if you can write to help other people, that's a, a great thing. And then if people buy it, that's just bonus. Yeah, that's awesome. How about yeah, you, I Rob? think uh, see the big picture first and then get into the weeds. I think where things go off the pro- a path is like writers will spend a lot of times on this chapter or this scene or whatever else, but they won't see the bigger picture. So I, at first I didn't outline, but now I believe in outlining every process. I, I kind of know these are the big mile markers. This is where I'm going. And then I'm each draft, I get more and more kind of in depth on it. So that's, that saved me so much time and effort. Yeah. Well, I, I'm lamenting because this, this manuscript I'm working on now, I've, it's gone through so many revisions because I didn't have the discipline to outline. So I wrote a lot of stuff that's like, man, as much as I want to say this, this is for another book. This doesn't really fit in the theme of this book. So then it's just like all that wasted time. I mean, maybe I can, I can come up with something later, but to not have the discipline, because people think creativity is just, you're just following the muse, you know, you're just kind of going with the wind, but it's, it's a much more kind of sluggish, sluggish process of just... Yeah, I love what Eric was saying about it's... Right for the like a sermon is different than teaching something is different than a blog put you know like everything you have to know this is what it is and this is the goal of it so I think that's really important to understand. That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope this was helpful to you. And again, you should uh, go to Amazon and get these guys' book, Eric Bryant and Rob Stennett, and tell us the correct spelling of your name, Rob, so people can find you. S-T-E-N-N-E-T-T. Just add consonants everywhere. Yeah. And Eric's got a great blog where you can find a lot of his resources, including a little stand-up comedy. And and spell that blog so they get it right. Sure. It's E-R-I-C-B-R-Y-A-N-T dot org. Okay. Well, thanks so much uh, for listening. God bless and have a great day. <laughs>